Chapter 24 of The Life and Times of Kateri Tekakwitha, The Lily of the Mohawks, by Ellen Walworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Kateri's Death I will love thee in heaven. The burial, her grave and monument. For nearly a year, Kateri had been slowly losing strength. She had a continuous low fever, but during the last two months of her life her sufferings were very acute, and she could not change her position without severe pain. It was in Passion Week that the children were instructed by the black gown at her bedside for the last time. Anastasia and the other women of the lodge continued to attend to her few wants, morning and evening, before and after their work in the fields they knew however by this time that the young girl could not recover anastasia drearily watched her sinking day by day she had never fully understood kateri but she loved her very much and did all that would have been expected of an indian mother under the circumstances the dish of indian corn and a pot of fresh water were left beside her each day and towards the last women were appointed to watch with the sufferer at night these watchers belonged to the association of the holy family kateri was not more neglected than others who were ill at these busy times she however was perfectly content and even glad to be left alone with god this relish for solitude did not prevent her from greeting with a smile or a gay bright word any or all who came to her side there was one in the village at whose coming her heart bounded it is needless to say that this was therese tega Iaguenta. of all hearts at the sioux st louis hers was the saddest throughout the days that kateri lay dying it was hard to work in the cornfield it was hard not to be with her in the lodge on palm sunday at least they could have a few hours together between mass and benediction whenever therese knelt at prayer in the chapel she felt that kateri lying on her mat joined her in spirit but when she prayed for her friend's recovery she knew that kateri's lips were unresponsive they murmured no amen the only prayer they could form at such times was like unto this god pity therese and give her the strength she needs on monday in holy week she asked for permission to fast in honour of our saviour's passion she wished to pass the whole day without food they told her that this she could not do that she had not long to live and that she ought to be thinking of other things not long to live was this in truth what they said she could not conceal her happiness at the thought of death the angel with shadowy wings was close at hand waiting to show her the face of rawinio on tuesday she failed rapidly in strength they feared she would die and prepared to give her the last sacraments father Scholenek did not intend for a moment that she should be deprived of the viaticum that strength of the wayfarer and bread of angels so needful to the dying but 
just how it should be administered was a question thus far the blessed sacrament had never been carried to an indian's cabin the sick were put on a bark litter and borne to the door of the church where they received holy communion kateri was too weak for this the two fathers at the mission consulted together and quickly resolved to make an exception in her case no one either then or afterwards murmured at this distinction accorded to the lily of the mohawks father Scholenek at once entered the sanctuary took the sacred particle from the tabernacle and passed out of the church following the shortest road to anastasia's cabin all who were then in the village assembled to accompany him and knelt about the door of the lodge leaving a passage for the black gown to enter in the meantime kateri heard of the honoured guest whom she was to receive whose sacramental presence had been so long denied her on account of her inability to drag herself to the chapel this had not been possible since the first weeks of lent she was now overjoyed at the good news they brought her her face lighted up with happiness then all at once she remembered the miserable condition and great poverty to which long-continued sickness had reduced her so she held fast to the hand of therese who was then at her side and begged her earnestly not to leave her as soon as they were left alone for a moment she confided to her friend that she owned no decent garment in which to receive her lord who was about to visit her having only those she now wore therese touched at this avowal from one who knew so well how to care for herself and others when she had been able to work quickly brought a chemise of her own for kateri and dressed her properly for the great event so near at hand kateri had hidden her poverty even from anastasia all is at last in readiness both within the lodge and without her heart's desire is at hand behold he cometh leaping over the mountains the black gown with the sacred viaticum entered the rude bark cabin which was crowded with kneeling indians the confiteor was recited kateri tekakwitha renewed her baptismal vows and the solemn offering she had made of her body to almighty god she recalled the graces bestowed upon her and especially such as had enabled her to preserve her chastity through life she then received the body and blood of christ and after a few moments of silent adoration all present joined with her in prayer throughout the afternoon other indians of the village as they came in from the hunt or the field were constantly going back and forth to the lodge where she lay all wished to see her and to hear her dying words not one was indifferent to the passing of her soul many were the signs of love and of reverence shown for her on that day it would seem as if she had been to each one of them like a favorite sister all were eager to gain a remembrance in her prayers the father profited by this occasion says chauchetier and obliged catherine to exhort some persons who needed to be encouraged in virtue he adds that the words of the dying always had great effect at the mission in converting those who could not be brought otherwise to be baptized or to confess their sins 
if this were the case ordinarily how doubly effective must have been the words thus wrung from kateri despite her humility by the command of her director but after all it was her example in life and in death that preached most forcibly to them the effort she made to speak for indeed it was more natural for her to be silent exhausted her very much thinking she was about to expire father Cholinac wished to anoint her at once and ran in haste as far as the church but her calm assurance to therese to the father and to others that there was no occasion for hurry caused them to believe afterwards that the hour of her death as well as the place of her burial had been privately revealed to her by god during the evening of tuesday therese left her friend for a time in the night she was again watching by kateri's side with another woman the sufferer asked them to take turns in order to get more rest or they would be too weary the next day when therese remained alone with her kateri who had looked forward to this moment said i know very well my sister what i am saying i know the place from which you came and i know what you were doing there take courage she continued with great tenderness you may be sure that you are pleasing in the eyes of god and i will help you more when i am with him the eyes of therese opened wide at these words and then filled with tears how could kateri have known what she had done she had stolen off to the woods without saying a word to any one and had cruelly scourged herself as she prayed from her heart for her dying friend but kateri it seems did know about it and in the morning early when therese wished to stay by her lest she should not be there at the last she said in a decided tone you may go to the field therese do not fear you will be back in time in this too she was not mistaken father martin in describing these last hours of kateri gives the following conversation which took place that same morning and which shows the touching simplicity of her indian friends if we must go they said to her ask god not to let you die while we are away kateri again assured them that there was time enough on your return you will find me still living she said they went away satisfied and god blessed their confidence it will be remembered that this was the morning of wednesday in holy week what follows is from chauchetiere who says that the companion of the dying girl was sent for about ten o'clock that day marie therese tega arrived in the cabin shortly before extreme unction was given after she kateri had received all the sacraments she conversed with her companion she was failing however all the time and at last speaking with difficulty and unable to raise her voice seeing her comrade weeping bitterly she bade her this last farewell i leave you said catherine i am going to die remember always what we have done together since we knew one another if you change i will accuse you before the judgment seat of god take courage despise the discourse of those who have no faith 
when they would persuade you to marry listen only to the fathers if you cannot serve god here go away to the mission of lorette never give up mortification i will love you in heaven i will pray for you i will help you the father who was near by on his knees to say the prayers for the dying heard a little of what catherine was saying he kept his eyes fixed upon the face of catherine to notice what was passing and at the same time he encouraged them both catherine had her face turned towards heaven and her companion embraced her with one hand having the other resting on the cheek of catherine and listening with attention to the last words of the dying one this blessed girl in saying to her companion i will love thee in heaven lost the power of speech it had been a long time since she closed her eyes to created things her hearing however still remained and was good to the last breath it was noticed several times that when some acts were suggested to her she seemed to revive when she was excited to the love of god her whole face seemed to change every one wished to share in the devotion inspired by her dying countenance it seemed more like the face of a person contemplating than like the face of one dying in this state she remained until the last breath her breathing had been decreasing since nine or ten o'clock in the morning and became gradually imperceptible but her face did not change one of the fathers who was on his knees at her right side noticed a little trembling of the nerve on that side of her mouth and she died as if she had gone to sleep those beside her were for a time in doubt of her death when they felt certain that all was over her eulogy was spoken in the cabin to encourage others to imitate her what her father confessor said together with what they had seen made them look upon her body as a precious relic the simplicity of the indians caused them to do more than there was need for on this occasion as for instance to kiss her hands to keep as a relic whatever had belonged to her to pass the evening and the rest of the night near her to watch her face which changed little by little in less than a quarter of an hour it inspired devotion although her soul was separated from it it appeared more beautiful than it had ever done when she was living it gave joy and fortified each one of them in the faith he had embraced it was a new argument for belief with which god favored the indians to give them a relish for the faith thus died kateri tekakwitha on wednesday april seventeenth sixteen eighty she was twenty-four years of age the change in her countenance after death mentioned by chauchetier is described at some length by Scholenek. he recalls the fact that when kateri was four years old she was attacked by the smallpox and that some marks of it were left on her face it had been much more disfigured however by her austerities and by her last illness but this face says Scholenek, thus emaciated and marked changed all at once about a quarter of an hour after her death and it became in an instant so beautiful and so fair that having perceived it at once for i was in prayer near her i gave a great cry so much was i seized with astonishment 
and I had the father called, who was working on the repository for Thursday morning. He ran to see it at once, and with him all the Indians, at the news of this prodigy, which we had leisure to contemplate until her burial. I must admit, frankly, her confessor continues, that the first thought which came to me was that Catherine might have indeed entered at that moment into heaven, and that on her virginal body was reflected in advance a small ray of the glory which was dawning on her soul. The spirit of Kateri Tekakwitha rejoiced in leaving its casket of clay, but the friend who had known her best still lingered disconsolate by her mat, till at last the crowd was scattered and none remained but those who belonged to the cabin wherein she died. Then the body was cared for in the usual manner. Therese, whose loving task it was to bring the necessary garments, now assisted Kateri's adopted sister and the good matron Anastasia in their last sad duties to the gentle inmate of their lodge. Her hair was oiled and braided, new moccasins were put on her feet, she was tenderly laid out on a mat, and the entrances to the lodge were again left open for visitors. A moving throng passed in and out, many lingered for a long, long time, unable to withdraw their eyes from the face of the Iroquois maiden so long hidden by her blanket, and now so wondrous fair to behold. It was a glow with a miraculous beauty that gave deep joy to those who looked upon it with the joy came also a longing to be pure and holy and to possess the happiness reflected on those noble features as she lay thus motionless on her mat two frenchmen from la prairie who had come to the indian village to be present at the services there on holy thursday wandered idly into the cabin they passed close to the body of Kateri. "'How peacefully that young woman sleeps,' said one of them. It did not occur to them that she was dead, and they were about to pass on. "'But they were very much surprised,' writes Scholenek, "'when they learned a moment after that it was the body of Catherine who had just expired. They immediately retraced their steps, and casting themselves on their knees at her feet— recommended themselves to her prayers they even wished to give a public evidence of the veneration they had for the deceased by immediately assisting to make the coffin which was to enclose those holy relics thus it happened that kateri's body instead of being borne to the grave according to the indian custom on an open bier of bark covered only with a blanket was enclosed in a wooden coffin after the custom of the white men. This made it easier to identify her remains later, when they were carried to the new village site farther up the river, to which the Indians of the Sioux moved some years later. They took Kateri's bones with them as their most precious treasure, and have kept them at the church ever since. When the two Frenchmen who had come to Caughnawaga for Holy Thursday had finished their self-imposed task, the body of Kateri was lifted from her mat into the coffin, but the lid was not adjusted at once over the face. The Indians continued to gaze upon it, and would not consent to have it covered until she had been lowered into the grave which they had prepared for her. This was on the side of a cemetery nearest to the river, at the foot of the tall cross, where she had loved to pray. 
there on the afternoon of thursday in holy week the lily of the mohawks and the genevieve of new france was laid to rest so great was the fame of her sanctity that her grave soon became a much frequented spot pilgrim after pilgrim has directed his footsteps to that cross and mound in the long list of those we find the names of governors bishops military commanders and well-known authors even after her bones were removed the place where kateri had prayed and where her body rested for a time was looked upon as sacred ground from the day of her burial in sixteen eighty to the present time it has been distinctly and unmistakably marked with a tall wooden cross whenever the old one crumbled away a new one was erected to replace it john gilmary shea gives the following graphic account of what occurred at her grave in eighteen forty three the old cross was mouldering and a new one twenty-five feet high was prepared in which were encased some relics of the holy virgin of conawaga on sunday the twenty-third of july eighteen forty three the conawagas headed by their missionary and chiefs repaired to the little river portage near which their former church and village had stood on a bluff between that little stream and the lordly st lawrence the space on the left was soon filled by whites drawn thither by interest or curiosity both of french and english origin the banner of la prairie and the pennons of the sioux floated above the crowd on either side of the highly adorned cross at the foot of which was a painting of the christian heroine at the signal given by the discharge of artillery on the right and left the clergy in procession advanced into the centre chanting the vexilla regis at another discharge father felix martin one of the first jesuits to whom it was given to return to the land enriched by the sweat and blood of his society rose to address the assembled throng in french then after a hymn in iroquois the rev joseph marcot the pastor of the tribe pronounced a discourse in the guttural language of his flock and gave place to the rev hyacinth houdon vicar-general of montreal who delivered a third address in english and then performed the ceremony of blessing the cross that sign of faith was then slowly raised amid the chants of the church the thunder of the cannon and the mingled shouts of men of many climes and races who differing in language bowed to the symbol of a common faith in september eighteen eighty four the author of this volume visited her grave and found that the cross described above had been blown down in a recent storm it was lying in broken fragments on the river bank near the little enclosure of wooden pickets surrounding the grave pious hands were soon at work there however and on sunday october fifth eighteen eighty four another cross was raised again a large gathering of canadians and indians assembled to assist at the ceremony rev father bertin oblate missionary and successor to father marcot preached both in french and iroquois the following words of the preacher which were translated into english and published in an albany journal must have made a profound impression upon his hearers the iroquois people of conawaga there have been 
he said in this village chiefs renowned in war who had dealings with governors of canada and were widely spoken of during their lives now that they are dead their names are mostly forgotten while the name of catherine tekakwitha is well known not only here but throughout canada and beyond the ocean in the month of june eighteen eighty eight the author having travelled by the ferry-boat from montreal to la prairie and thence driven a few miles westward along the river-bank was fortunate enough to stand once again by the grave of tekakwitha there in addition to the new cross which stood firm and erect within the little enclosure a large granite monument was to be seen lying close beside it partially unboxed and ready to be placed upon the grave it had been sent to canada from the land of tekakwitha's birth it has since been set in place and protected by a strong canopy and enclosure of wood the initials of the two donors of this substantial token are carved on a lower corner of the monumental stone it is a solid piece of bar granite in the shape of a sarcophagus six feet six inches long two feet ten inches wide two feet six inches high on the top a cross is carved and the following inscription in the iroquois language kateri takakwitha april seventeenth sixteen eighty anke onweke katsitsio teiositsi ane karon the french translation is the exact interpretation given by m kuak who composed the iroquois inscription he says that anke onwe means literally the true men thus the indians designate all who belong to their own race katsitsio means beautiful flower and is here applied to tekakwitha the lily of the mohawks this title given to her by the english is altogether foreign to the iroquois language as they have no distinctive word for lily nothing more definite than white flower and mohawks is a name they dislike because it was first given to them by their enemies they prefer therefore their own term kanyingas tekakwitha was a kanyinga and an iroquois but she was also on her mother's side an algonquin hence it is that the general name which applies to the whole red race is used in the inscription anke omwe all true men are indeed akin to this beautiful flower that bloomed in our mohawk valley End of chapter twenty four